Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, managing in a matrix. Hi everyone, this is Mike, and welcome back to Manage Tools. In today's cast, we describe how to manage effectively in a matrix organization. Not that we recommend it, okay? We finally succumbed to the steady drumbeat of requests for the Manager Tools way of dealing with how to survive and thrive in a matrix organization. You know, a couple years ago, Mark said he'd never do these casts. His rationale? Mike, we've never done a cast about managing in an organization that employs corporal punishment, i.e. physical beatings. Why start down that path by talking about matrices? Well, he was joking, mostly, (laughs) but he's come around and he's come around fiercely. The fact is, as misguided as they are, matrix organizations are not only here and here to stay, they're likely to increase in number over the next 30 years. The fact that we disagree with them doesn't make them suddenly cease to exist. So, here we are speaking about matrix organizations. We've got a lot of ground to cover and some of his background, but we start right out with our recommendations and then spend some time building our case. Welcome to the matrix. We can't make you Neo, but we can help. Here we go. Well, this could be a a long cast with uh, multiple parts. I, um, yeah, it, it, I think it is going to be a long one. And I, I think that if I have to even think about matrix management, then other people should endure my pain <laughs> along with me. <laughs> well, at least we're laughing about it. Yeah. Look, look, um, we don't like matrix organizations, um, for reasons we, we will talk about, uh, w- look, we understand why they exist and there's good reasons why they exist. Um, we totally know that they are completely well-intentioned, um, and, and we also know that there are success stories out there, no question about it, um, but we still don't like them, as I said, and, and, and we'll walk through our reasons, and I'm sure there'll be people who disagree. Um, there's going to be at least one person who says, hey, I'm in a matrix and it works, um, and that's great, um, uh, but, but one one matrix working does not prove that it's a great organizational structure. Right. And, and whether matrix organizations exist or how, how we feel about them or how others feel about them, it doesn't matter. I mean, matrix organizations exist. So we're going to yeah. be practical here and talk about, hey, it exists. What do you do about it? So we know we have listeners enough to be reckoned with because we've gotten enough comments right. from folks right. that are having to manage day-to-day in a matrix, and we know they need help. Yeah. Right. Um and so, yeah, we've got guidance for them and no sense in just saying, well, sorry, you went to the wrong place to go to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> Helpful. The, somebody above you chose the wrong structure. That's just not, that's just not our way. Just because we disagree doesn't mean we ought, ought to withhold um, our thinking about them. So, so I've, I've, I've had this cast on the back burner in one form or another for a couple of years and um, just felt like... Um, it, it, it didn't. I mean, I, I was I was making it hard on us, and therefore not making it hard on the listeners by not sharing. And uh, and actually, we have a lot of great recommendations that I think will surprise some people. But I also bet that even the people who say, "Hey, my matrix works," will say, "Wow, those are exactly the reasons why my matrix works." 
because we're doing the things you recommend. So. Right. Cool. Okay. So let's lay out the structure of the cast so everyone knows where we're going. Okay. Good. Um, five major points. Um, the first one we're going to get, we're going to start out because it's such a long cast. Um, we're going to start out with our recommendations, an overview of our recommendations. Then after we do that, just a quick overview, um, we're going to describe because it's, because it's important and we'll, we'll describe why it's important. Um, what matrix organizations are trying to do in a sense, why they exist. Um, then, then we are going to lay out why we don't like them. Um, and, and that's probably the wrong, wrong way to say it, right? I mean, it, it's um, why we believe they are less effective as a structure. Um, it's not just that we don't like them. We're not being petulant. Um, we, we, have our, we have good rationale. Um, th- then then uh, step four, we'll go through our recommendations in detail, talking about each one and what to do and how to do it. Um, and then lastly, um, uh, we, I think it'll surprise some people. We're actually going to talk about why we expect there to be more matrix organizations in the future. Good. Okay. So let's jump right into the overview. I mean, when we have a long cast, we want, we want to give both detailed actionable guidance, but we also give some background. I mean, the background is often just as valuable as the guidance. And, and sometimes it's the perspective that gives the guidance its energy. And so we do it. Yeah. And, and, and we'll, we'll connect. I, hopefully people will, will feel that we're connecting the two. Um, but can I just start by complaining about how silly? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. maybe not silly, but, uh, you know, matrix organizations are. It's just... Uh, yeah, you can, but <laughs> why don't you wait? <laughs> we just told everyone that we have a whole section dedicated to it. So why don't we just... Wait till then. Yeah, you're right. I guess I, um, I I'm ready though. <laughs> I know. I know. Hold yeah, up. Yeah, hold okay. up. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. Good. So 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 he, here's the big picture, um, and, and I'm sorry. There are um, eight recommendations that we're going to give at a high level now, and then again we'll go through them in detail a little bit later in the cast. Look, rule number one of matrixes, uh, matrix organizations, um, is it's all about relationships. Um, you must develop relationships with anyone who affects your work. Um, and we've talked before in other casts about how to do that. Um, number two, use our organizational influence tool to assess your relationships, their value, um, and their, their strength. Um, and that's actually a new tool. Um, it, it may or may not be out by the time of this cast, but but if it's not, we'll do something uh, to make it easy for people to use the technology or the the knowledge, the um, underpinnings of it, the algorithm, if you will. Um, we'll do something to put that out at some point um, fairly soon. Um, number three is you've got to create one-on-ones or or their equivalent because one-on-ones are something specific. Um, within your matrix, there are certain people that you need to have one-on-ones with. We do recommend one-on-ones across the matrix. Number four, um, this is part of the communication um, underlying recommendation that informs everything we do when it comes to matrix organizations, which is over-report to your key relationships. Number five is meetings and presentations in matrix organizations take on enormous significance, even more than in a standard organization. And you have got to be exceptionally good in meetings, before meetings, during meetings, and after meetings. Uh, which leads us to, to um, point six, which is you must pre-wire everything. Um, 
and we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because we have a cast on it, but we'll, we'll talk about it later in a little bit more detail. Um, and the last two um, are related a little bit. Um, heads up calls. Um, if you, if you are aware of knowledge that is, um, that may be a surprise to someone making a heads up call are, is a very powerful relationship builder or even saver. Um, you can salvage a relationship by, by giving somebody a heads up. And by the same token, the opposite of that is you can't drop dimes, which is to say you can't surprise somebody in a meeting in a matrix organization and expect to keep a relationship with them and expect to get good results from them because you don't have power, right? The matrix exists to attenuate power and, um, and, and probably your expertise is attenuated as well. So you've got to work on your relationships. And if you, if you drop dimes in meetings, which is to say surprise people with negative information in front of other people, you're really corroding. You're really ruining your relationship. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's plenty of things. Yeah. That's plenty for folks to chew on. Yeah. In fact, sure. I was thinking about it. Those, the, the, those. I mean, that would be a great cast all by itself. But, but we really feel with the Matrix because it exists because we don't agree with it for really good reasons, and yet because they are growing, we figured we better do more. So. Yeah. Okay. So with that brief overview, let's let's take a step back and talk about Matrix organizations more generally. Uh, we want everyone to understand the we want everyone to understand the rationale because right. the reasoning for the org itself affects how people behave in them. So what are matrix organizations trying to do? Why why do they exist? Yeah. Look, look, they have totally got a noble purpose. Um, um, there's a good reason for them. The matrix organization was invented to attenuate power while increasing the central control of some human resources. Um, now, bef- before we deconstruct this further, um, I, again, l- let me take a minute and talk about why we're covering this. Um, some of our listeners, um, you know, we're famous for making things actionable. Um, um, some listeners assume that this part of the cast isn't perfectly actionable. And, and in a sense, they'd be right. Um, Talking about the theory of the organizational structure is not in itself actionable, um, but but we'd like to suggest a, a point of view for consideration. Okay, if you only listen to the action parts of the cast and, and, and they're good, don't don't we we like them, <laughs> um, and then and then you you only listen to those, and then you join a matrix organization, you go to a part of your organization that is matrixed, or you leave and go somewhere else. Um, or you're a, a, a fresh, fresh graduate somewhere and you start and the first place you go is a matrix, um, you'll probably almost immediately be frustrated. Um, other non-matrix organizations, which is to say the vast majority of, rela- of, ma- of organizations in the world, and we're talking all organizations, not just corporations, uh, um, uh, other non-matrix organizations exist to accentuate power. The verticality that exists is, is there for a reason, you know, and, and when we talk about accentuating power, think about things like the size of your office and, and, and your desk and parking spaces and who has admins and who gets club memberships. Um, you're probably, most of us are not, we're not even aware consciously of the subtle reminders and some not so subtle reminders about power 
the ability to influence in organizations. You don't, I mean, in fact, I would argue you, you don't really even see these signs, but you know they're there subconsciously. You feel them because you've been brought up um, in what amounts to a non-matrixed organization um, with your parents and schools and so on. Um, you don't really see them, but they completely influence your behavior. Right. When you walk into the corner office, they're, they're, yeah. it's, it's a corner office for a reason, and yeah. you feel it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, most of us defer and delay to people who have the trappings of power, and we do it subconsciously. It doesn't make you a bad person to be a human being, to be aware of the trappings of power or the accoutrement of power or the intent of the organization to showcase some people's ability to influence more than others. Uh, it doesn't make you a bad human being to be aware of that. You don't have any choice. You're, you're I mean, you're hardwired for it. Um, and, and, and so if you join... Um, another thing that happens is your boss clues you in to the power structure. Okay. But in a matrix, these things are, well, they're attenuated, um, because the power in a matrix is somewhat attenuated. Okay. Now I, people are saying, wait, I thought you said power is attenuated. I said, no. So I would say no. Um, Matrix organizations exist to attenuate power in part, but that doesn't mean they actually accomplish that. Um, look, 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 the point here is that if you know why the org is the way it is, it's easier to see patterns and trends that are influenced by the structure. It just, it just makes it easier for you to adapt. So that, that's why we're sharing the rationale. Um, for matrix organizations. We want you to understand it. And then when you come into a situation that's different, you'll know why it's different and that will make you better. Um, okay, so back to the key point. Matrix organizations were invented to attenuate power and increase central control over some, if not all, human resources. It, it, the reasoning makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's worth discussing. Look, sometimes projects or missions um, just seem too complicated or too complex to make them simple. Um, they seem to require multiple, what we call, well, let's, let's call them fundamental inputs. Um, and they require inputs from almost everybody in the organization to make it go well. Um, you, look, we've all seen projects like this. They're just big and thorny, maybe is a way to say it. And, and it makes sense if you're sitting around thinking of organizational structures, you're going to use, uh, um, it, it, I'm sorry, let me say that again. It, it, if you're sitting around thinking about what org structure might be good, um, you, you'll probably say something like, well, now, you know, what we're, what we're faced here isn't so simple. Um, if we're not careful, we could have a structure that doesn't help us achieve what we want to achieve. It, it, we could go off the tracks here a little bit. Um, so we wouldn't, you know, if, if we're, if we're a, um, a structure person thinking of how the business should be organized, we would say to ourselves, hey, wait, we don't want the business guy, right? The marketing guy or the, the, the person close to the customer in the organization. We don't want them to have final authority on this big project. Maybe it would sell. Um, but it's possible that if they get to drive everything, the engineers that build the thing 
wouldn't feel like they had created something memorable or something worthy of their capabilities or their credentials. Um, worst case, we might sell some of the product that the business guy has total power over, um, but we might also lose a lot of engineers if we subordinate them too obviously to the guys in the business team, right? Um, okay, but on the other hand, let's, let's be honest. We're a business, right? The opposite of this is if we let the engineering managers run things, if they get final authority, if we're, if we're not a customer company, we're a technology company, let's leave product out of it, right? If we're, if we're a technology company and the engineering managers or the software developers run things, we're going to end up with a boom box rather than a Sony Walkman. That's a great story of not, yeah, not like that would ever happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Like Akio Morita asked them, Hey, can you make this little teeny thing that people can carry around? And they gave him back a boom box. Cause right. Yeah. Um, but look, you're going to end up with a boom box rather than a Sony Walkman. And you're going to go out of business cause that won't sell. Um, Look, there are engineers who'd say, you know, gosh, this is a perfect thing to put. Let's put a couple of additional features and benefits on them. Um, we'll document them. We're not going to think that they're bugs, right? But, um, you know, the, for all you know, the boombox will make coffee. Um, I mean, and it's very elegantly engineered, but again, it probably won't sell. And so the structure people said, look, the things are getting more and more complex. It's requiring more and more inputs. Things are different than they were in the 1920s or the 1850s or whatever. Uh, the world is getting more and more difficult to understand. So let's figure out how to have both of these organizations, both of these sub-organizations within our corporation, if you will, share responsibilities. If they work together, right, if we, if we, if we share power, if we work together, what we'll end up with is something, the product, the output, will be something that both groups can be proud of, and that will be much more sustainable, to use a, a very modern word. Um, they'll, shell, they'll share power. They'll have to do it as a function of the organization we're going to set up, or nobody wins. Um, and they say, yeah, that's it. That's a, you know, let, let's design a two-headed beast, um, maybe even a three- or four-headed beast. <laughs> And we'll call it, you know, they're probably sitting around going, what will we call it? And one of the guys was, one of the people in the team was probably a mathematician and said, I know, let's call it a matrix. And frankly, it's a, I think it's a pretty good name. It makes sense. It's not, it's not a pyramid, right? And I think matrix, uh, for somebody who knows a little bit about math theory or took math past calculus, goes, okay, yeah, I can see how it's interconnected and, and it's not purely vertical. So it's a good name. Yeah, us engineers, they, we love it. Like Matrix, cool. Now, now in this previous example, we're saying that the product we were planning to produce wasn't, say, as straightforward as other products are. Yeah, historically. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that you can't have a, a, a vertical organization today because all products are too complicated. I'm saying compared to 50 years ago or 75 years ago, that's what but that's what the theorists said. They said, things are getting too hard. We, we can't have one person knowing all this. It's funny. It's the same thing in, in government, Mike. Um, um, the, the media in America, this is an American issue, focus on the presidency. It's not that the presidency is the first, the, the presidency, the executive branch is not the first branch of government. Congress is, the, the legislative branch. But the legislative branch is not easy to focus on because there are 500 of them, right? 
there's only one president. So we have a natural tendency to focus on a single individual about, about essentially the, 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 um, the coalescence or the concentration of power. But in fact, the founding fathers, at least in America, said the legislative branch should come first. So, so it's the same thing here. They felt like, you know, the, the theorists said 100 years ago, um, gosh, we, we, um, we need to do something to avoid the fact that we don't believe businesses can be run effectively anymore by one person. So that's the, the um, so that's what I mean when we say it's products were not as straightforward. Historically, things have gotten more complex. Sorry about that. Look, um, I, I, the modern version are things like a new generation cell phone, um, frankly, putting a man on the moon, um, or uh, sort of an ironic example, the Matrix, the movie, right? Um, all of those things are pretty darn complicated to produce. I don't think any of them were created in a matrix, of course. Um, so it, it's not as if you have to have a matrix. But but look, the, the point is, is that the, the, the theorists said, we've got to do something to address this. Things are getting too hard. And in a sense, they were right. Um, the, uh, what, what, I'm, what we're saying is these are the kinds of products and services that, that they were thinking too big, too complex, not easily led, not easily categorized. Um, it makes sense if you're designing an organization for a future full of products and services like these to do something to the organization to keep, let's just say, the minority, right, um, uh, from being squashed. Matrix organizations are a well-intentioned effort by organizational theorists to attenuate power, which essentially increases the need for communication and collaboration and consensus, in order to achieve the mission of the organization, products and services and so on. Um, the attenuation of power that they create um, is designed to address that complexity of effort and, and the need for many more voices to be heard than previously were in a more narrow vertical organization that existed many years ago uh, or that was the only form of organization many years ago. Um, so that, that, that's that's all we're saying. Okay. So let's so let's go back to the the the, the second part, the other reason for matrix works, which is right centralization. You know, centralizing control right. of human resources. Sure. Sure. Okay. Look, if you've got a matrix org. You generally don't organize around products. In fact, people often say, "Well, I have a product organization, or I have a matrix organization." Um, let's suppose you produce cell phones, and you also produce your company. Sort of a funny example here, but but it makes it easy to to communicate the differences, the divergences. Um, let's suppose you produce cell phones, and you also produce integrated circuits for processing communication signals. Okay. Um, they're related businesses. You could you could I could justify the case that. Um, you started one and ended up in the other, um, and they both make money, so let's keep doing them. Um, on the other hand, they also could be run separately, right? You could, you could have a CEO that presides over two presidents, and, and the chip company wouldn't ever talk to the cell phone company and vice versa, although I suspect the cell phone company would be required to buy the chip company's chips. <laughs> um, so in a normal organization historical organization, non-matrix organization. I probably shouldn't say normal. Um, uh, the chip folks would go out and get enough of their own software designers, manufacturing engineers, process technicians, quality analysts, the whole schmear, um, as well as everybody else, that they needed to run their chip business. 
And the cell phone group would be busy hiring their own process and manufacturing engineers and software designers and QA professionals as well. Right. Well, that makes sense for the business. You're totally right. Um, Before we go into the details about the benefits, though, let's just be clear. If this were a matrix organization, the chip and the phone guys wouldn't be able to hire their own folks. The two businesses would probably be called product lines, okay, and someone else. Eh, um, The abstract name is a resource manager, though lots of companies don't name any the one role that particularly. A resource manager would actually be responsible for hiring the various specialties, the ones we mentioned, that the product lines would use. The engineers and the analysts and so on would all be in one organization and then be assigned out to a given product or a given project or a given process. Now, think if you're the CEO and you want to control costs of personnel. This is what we alluded to earlier, right? Now, you only have to convince one person, that resource manager. You don't have to go find all the software designers all spread across both companies, which are in a number of different units, right? Because a number of managers have software designers reporting to them. You don't have to go find them. You don't have to, you don't have to ping the entire organization to talk to your software designers. You know where they all are. They're all in one place. Uh, that is, at least from an organizational hierarchy perspective, efficient in terms of communication. Um, what's more, you reduce inefficiencies because there will always, always, folks, be slack in organizations. Extra people that essentially reduce an organization's productivity because hiring managers running a business tend, in the main, to overhire and underfire, right? In other words, they, they, if they think they need part of a person and they can figure out a budget reason for it, they're going to hire them. And at the same time, they, when they find somebody that's not working out, they keep hoping they'll change without putting them through a late-stage coaching model. And so we end up, over time, growing more than we probably should. And that's why we often joke that there are two things in the universe that decay that we know of. There are many others, but we joke that the two are margins and relationships, and margins decay in part because we continue to overhire and underfire. Okay, with the matrix organization though, you can shift people between um, the product lines, and maybe you can get ten percent more efficiency on paper. In other words, hey, Mr. Chip Guy, you can't hire any more software designers because we've got three of them that are underutilized over here in this other business, in the cell phone business, and so we're going to give them to you. Um. And look, again, I mentioned this before, if you have all your software engineers in one place, there's a school of thought that they tend to get treated better because it's easier to centralize training, it's easier to develop them, they tend to prefer being with other software engineers, all things being equal. They like the lights kept down low, for instance. Um, and, and we think, therefore, that we're able to keep them, which is not a not an insignificant thing to worry about in today's world of the war on talent or the, sure. the war for talent. Um, and frankly, look, let's be honest. I mean, theoretically, that makes a lot of sense because sometimes those technical folks tend to get lost in a product-driven business. I mean, really, what do most marketing dudes know about chip engineers other than they think they're weird? Yeah. But mar- you marketing people, just so you're clear, that's what the chip engineers think about you. So, yeah. we just, so you know, they don't call you a marketing like, dude. Yeah. Marketers call but, marketers dudes. Yeah, that's right. Engineers exactly. call them. It's a form, it's a term of respect, I think. something like that. Yeah. But okay, so you, you sound like you 
actually understand matrix organizations and maybe even surprisingly enough, even respect the rationale. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not generating all this energy because I just hate them irrationally. I, I mean, um, I totally respect the rationale. I've worked in one. Okay, if I had been an organizational theorist and I put my feet up and thought about how to deal with big complex projects, which probably could die a painful death without if they didn't get robust inputs from all parts of the organization. I think, I mean, I'm probably not this smart, but I, I think I would have probably considered designing something that looked like, may not have been sounded like, but something that looked like a matrix. It makes sense structurally to do this. And look, I understand it beyond just the structural reasoning, um, but, but let's talk about it when we, uh, there's some more to, to justify why it, it, it'll probably grow, uh, but we can talk about that when we talk about the future of the matrix. Cool. Well, maybe this cast won't be as long as I, I thought, because overall, it sounds like you're a big fan. No, I, I, <laughs> apparently I have not been clear. <laughs> I am not a fan. Well, I, 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 I thought so. Yeah, look, it's easy. They don't work. Oh, I've been, I keep saying <laughs> theorist. I keep saying the theory of it. The rationale is brilliant. I respect the rationale. It just doesn't work. Yeah, well, you're you're incredibly picky. Yeah, I, <laughs> right. And I feel badly about that, but I'd hate to have somebody go out there and say, "Hey, let's do, let's try a matrix," only to discover later, ooh. So, okay. Anyway. So, so now sounds like a good time to discuss why we don't like matrix organizations. Yeah, goody, 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 goody. And look again, again, I respect them. I understand them. We we believe they make sense on one level. And we just have a pile of data saying they don't work. I get it. I understand. It makes sense. On paper, it makes sense. And organizations that are matrixed fail because human nature trumps every formal organizational structure known to humankind. Human beings are predisposed, whether you want to admit it, whether you like it, whether you think it's helpful or not, we are predisposed to look for role power. You could, you could essentially call it verticality. Everywhere, there is some form of social construct. Put 10 human beings in a room, any 10 humans, and in 90 minutes, any group will have a leader, one singular leader. They won't have elected a, t a, t a committee. One person will have been in charge. We, as human beings, secretly crave structure in the form of a leader. And yes, whether we like it or not, I had to write a white paper about this. You want a boss. So people want bosses. And, and look, you don't even have to take it from, from us. Okay, you don't. <laughs> We're not that smart. One of the best newspaper articles I've ever read in my entire life was an interview with Edward O. Wilson, the guy who won, I think he won two Pulitzer Prizes. He's a sociologist. Um, this, this article was in the Wall Street Journal. And actually, it was for the Millennial Edition, which is, came out January 1, 2000. And, and the Wall Street Journal was interviewing... Wilson, who really is a genius, um, about people and organizations and behavior, basically organizational structure and theory and human behavior. And here's what they said. The journal says, is it safe to say that human nature has not changed greatly in the last 1,000 years? I mean, this is 1,000 years. They're interviewing for the millennial edition, right? And Wilson says, I think it's safe to say that human nature has not changed in the last 100,000 years and maybe even further back than that. And the journal said, so there's no reason to believe or to think that it will change a great deal in the next 1,000 years? 
And Wilson says, no reason to believe it whatsoever. I mean, this, this is the guy who's as smart as anybody in the world about human behavior in organizations. And so the journal says, is it silly to think we can eliminate reporting and power structures within firms? And Wilson says, oh, yes, it is. I think leaders emerge who have the greatest status, confidence, and loyalty of the other members, even if by law they have equal opportunity and equal rewards. Folks, matrix organizations don't work because we all carry around our own organizational construct, and it doesn't include two bosses. We're not wired for two. We're wired for one. It doesn't include resource handlers or efficiency at the expense of effectiveness. And there are a whole lot more reasons we don't like them, all of which are related to the inherent failings of the concept. Right. However, my favorite is, if none of us seem to have a good relationship with our bosses, what makes us think that giving anyone two bosses is going to make that better? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let's give them more. We'll make it harder. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah. How many times? Gosh, we've said that 5,000 times, I think. Um, you know, maybe we ought to kill, call this cast Humans Killed the Matrix Star. Right, there you um, go. We don't see matrix managers spending time helping out resource, ma- resource managers when they're having to do annual reviews. Lack of communication is already rampant in organizations. What, 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 what did Drucker say? That the only thing that, that evolves naturally in organizations is disharmony, friction, and discontent or something like that. Inefficiency, um, uh, friction, and, and discontent. Um, lack of communication in organizations is rampant already. An organization just telling everybody that with this new structure, you should or you need to talk to more people doesn't work. In fact, it's a jo- we, we've joked about this, Mike, but I, you and I have seen the cartoon with, where the one guy is sticking out his hand to the other and the, and, and the, the technical probably looking guy says, uh, is basically saying to the guy, no thanks, I already know enough people. Right. Right. The idea that that person would work in a matrix organization where it's all about relationships and communication is crazy. Um, um, All the stuff that's supposed to happen to make a a matrix organization work does not happen naturally for most human beings. Right. I I hope people don't make the mistake and and think that this has been a rant. It has. No. Um, We we love the idea and, and we're perfectly okay with you loving the idea of matrix orgs. But we don't think that it's right for so many to secretly know their inherent problems and not tell others that don't yet know them. We, we, right. know, we, partic- we particularly hope that newer or younger managers learn from this cast so they, de- they can be more prepared than many of us more experienced managers were when we first encountered Mr. Smith in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, look, even though we're not ranting, and I, 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 I totally respect the fact we could get some feedback on going on too long. Um, but gosh, I just I could not figure out how to feel complete about our initial recommendations without people understanding the engine that created them, why they exist, and why they probably feel weird sometimes in them. And if you go back and forth between vertical and matrix, it's uh, it's confusing. So, what do you say we get onto the detailed recommendations? Well, we'll leave it there and get to the details of our recommendations in part two next week. Hey, before we go, though, although we'll be putting out a more formal announcement shortly, along with a special cast on all the details, Mark and I will be holding our first Manager Tools Effective Communications Conference in San Antonio, Texas, on September 9th and 10th. Although we're internally calling this Manager Tools 201, attendance of our standard Effective Manager Conference is not required. 
More details to come, but just want to give you a heads up. Stay tuned for more. So with that, we'll see you all again next week. So long, folks. Bye.